everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic and glad they saved Lisa's brain, so mine can be next. Who's they? I don't know. Whoever saved Lisa's brain, they should come save mine. It's in dire need of help. I think your brain's fine. I don't know. This uh, season's trivia competition has uh, pointed to some serious deficiencies. Maybe you're just, you're doing fine, and I'm just, I'm stepping up my game, Matt. It's a possibility, right? Mayhaps. Mayhaps. All right. All right. Hi, guys. We are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only dollars a month. Gain access to all of our bonus content. Uh, we have uh, weekly episode reviews of new Simpsons episodes, King of the Hill, Rick and Morty, uh, bonus episodes, a huge backlog of stuff. I encourage you to check that out and support us uh, if, if, you, if you're able. We appreciate everyone who does. On this week's episode, it is They Saved Lisa's Brain, episode AABF18, originally aired May 9th, 1999, written by Matt Selman, directed by Pete Michaels, received a 6.8 rating, approximately 6.8 million viewers, finished 54th place for in the ratings for that week. Apparently, that was a little bit low. I saw some conjecture online that it's a low rating. I don't know. I know we've seen a lot of, like, in the 8s and 9s, this year, so I don't know if that it, it, ratings are. I I try not to put too much stock into them because again, Nielsen ratings are some would say a sham. What you mean when they take a small sampling and extrapolate it as if their sampling was perfect? Weird. Yeah, exactly. Um, the chalkboard gag. No one wants to hear from my armpits. Fair. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but very few. Yeah. Uh, the couch gag, couch sunk by an iceberg, and only Maggie survives. This is a repeat. I like it still, but it is a repeat. Yeah. Um, this episode guest stars Stephen Hawking as himself. Rest in peace. Does a tremendous oh, job. Wow, this makes me sad now. He lived a, a good life. Affected, affected science. Made change. Wrote good books. Appeared on The Simpsons. A lot of wonderful things for popularizing science. Yeah. Uh, the episode... has radiation named after him. <laughs> Matt wishes he could have radiation named after him. I sure do. Do you know how hard it is to find a new type of radiation and get it named after you? I mean, there's all kinds of crazy people ahead of me in line for that. You got to work hard on it, Matt. Yeah, that's never never been my strong see, suit. Is the, working hard on this. See, this is Matt. This is here. This is, start a radiation podcast. Ooh! If you get if you if it gets big enough, you could jump right to the head of the line. Fame will do that. Well then, uh, look for our new radiation podcast. I didn't, hey, I didn't, I didn't say different types I didn't, of radiation. I didn't say anything about we. I said you. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I got enough podcasts. Uh, the episode begins with ethnic mismatch comedy number six hundred and forty-four. Uh, I think it's an Italian man and a British woman. Is that? Yep. With all kinds of Viagra jokes. Yep. A whole bunch of Viagra jokes. It has already been canceled, which disappoints. Marge and Homer, and I guess, I don't think the kids care, but Marge and Homer, I guess we're getting getting accustomed to ethnic mismatch comedy number 644. Uh, but right after that, they get a they see commercial uh, sponsored by Granny Plopwell Pudding. Ugh, what a horrible <laughs> name. And I understand it's the point, but man, that sounds disgusting. Granny Plopwell. <laughs> it's a pretty, I, I think that's a very, a, a very good fake pudding name especially one that's that's it that is uh sponsoring a how low can you go contest which yeah. is i i know that these exist in real life i just have never apparently at the time they were in vogue 
which is just horrible. I mean, look at the things people did in this competition. Like, Bart, I will swallow anything. That's really dangerous. No one should do that. <laughs> Matt is the voice of reason. Yeah, I guess it's probably, I guess it was a late 90s thing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that it doesn't exist because all I have to do is go, hey, look at YouTube. There's plenty of people doing, and then, and you know, Jackass was a show built on the principle of just people punishing their own bodies. So I guess, you know, it, this is a little, this is more of a common man take on the same idea. Um, what, what is it? Our matter. Are we talking about fat and sugar, uh, causation? What, what's, I don't know what your, what your notation here in our notes is supposed to be saying. It's fine. We don't have to talk about it, but, uh, apparently, uh, grandma Plopwell's is, uh, Low fat, but so high in sugar, it'll give you diabetes immediately, which is quite impressive. So, I, yeah. The low fat craze was was high in the late 90s. Everything had to be low fat, low fat, low fat. But to replace, you know, the flavor, they just added a whole bunch of sugar, which is equally bad, if not worse for you. I mean, that still is out there somewhere. And there's still a lot of people who like who, the low fat stuff. Yeah. Everyone is different. Try all the things. Figure out what works for you. But in general, <laughs> this is a sugar is bad for everybody. Diet hour podcast. Yeah, it's pretty. It tastes good, though, man. <laughs> well, yes, it does. It does taste very good. So, uh, one, we find out immediately that the contest is not. Uh, so the family is, of course, excited. Obviously, Homer, of course, super excited about how low can you go contest to win a trip to Hawaii. Uh, we almost immediately find out that the trip is not to Hawaii, but instead Hartford, Connecticut, which does not is not nearly as appetizing, unfortunately. I mean, it's still a nice place to go. Lots of history and fun stuff. You're right next to New York. History, but, you know, it's not Hawaii. But I want beaches and volcanoes. You keep your beaches. I'll take the history. I mean, Hawaii has history and beaches, frankly. That's true. That's why I would want to go. I would love to see the Dole Plantation and uh, the new uh, oh, observatory they're building on top of the mountain. Dole Whip. Well, that too, but you can get that here. It's not the same. It's not in Hawaii. Sure. It's not the same unless it's there, Matt. It's not the same. It has to be at the place. So the family goes to the Hello Can You Go contest, and both Bart and Homer participate. Lisa is obviously upset about basically all of it. We're here live in the KBBL parking lot to see... How low will you go? Our most disgusting contestant will win a free trip to Hartford, Connecticut. I thought it was Hawaii. No one said Hawaii. Now let's get stupid with our first contestant, the Human Garbage Disposal. Ladles and jelly spoons, I will now take going low to new heights. I will swallow anything, and I need anything you people throw. Please, no more spark plugs. Lisa, would you like a penny to throw at your brother? Unbelievable. We're rewarding people for acting like buffoons. Young lady, this may be the high point of Bart's life. Cut him some slack. Oh, wait! That wasn't a trick! I was gonna juggle chickens! Next up, Homer and this amazing Redenbacher dream coat with a number he calls Colonel Knowledge. I'm hot buttered. Check it and see. I got a fever of 453. I'm hot, so very hot. Four. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Lisa, did anyone force you to come here today? You? Hmm. 
Well, no one's forcing you to stay. Okay, I'm leaving. Oh, you're not going anywhere, Missy. I love Marge's bit there at the end, because I'm pretty sure we all experienced as parents. No one's forced you to come. Yes, you did. Well, no one's forcing you to stay. Then I'm leaving. No, you're not. So, sure. So, we, we hear, uh, you guys heard a little, a little bit of the variety there. Um, but mostly Bart and Homer's entries, which Bart will eat anything, which I would think that would obviously be the winner. Right, that's the the lowest. If you're gonna, if you're, if it's how low can you go? Yes, because that can kill you a lot faster than everything else. And uh, I mean, Homer Homer's popcorn suit probably took a extraordinarily long time to assemble. I true. I can hair dryers really activate popcorn? I don't think they get that hot. I mean, you have to, pop, you have to put popcorn even, like on a stove or, or a fire or a microwave or something for them to pop. I would think that yeah. it would take off. Unless it's like a, unless it's not a, a hair dryer, it's like some kind of heat gun. Because I have seen those. And oh, that, that's true. That they, would he would probably die. Yeah, those heat guns are really hot. So I mean, maybe hey, that's what it is, Matt. They're not hair dryers; they're heat guns. Oh, of course, we figured that's it out. Even worse, poor Homer. Poor Homer. He takes Homer. Uh, takes a lot of punishment. So we we see Mo in a sailor suit with a lolly. Doesn't do a bunch. Uh, for the judges, which are Rainier Wolfcastle. It's Mo in a sailor suit. It's it's Mo with a lolly. <laughs> it's against his character. Uh, the judges are Rainier Wolfcastle, uh, Krusty the Clown, and uh, Madeline Albright, who was the Secretary of State at the time. I'm not sure if that's making a statement about U.S. foreign policy. Or just that that's who they got. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. But how do functions in Springfield generally end? I would assume riots. Riots, uh, because Rainer Wolfcastle declares himself a winner, which he is just the judge. Uh, they, so they riot, they throw the plop well pudding around and rub it on. smear the poor traveling Van Gogh exhibit with it. I... Those I would I'm gonna say those aren't the actual paintings, Matt. To make myself feel better. I hope not. To make myself feel better, it is a a representation of how this whole thing a representation of how Springfield uh, generally behaves and how the, and their culture of low brow domination of which you know that's 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 a, that's a traditional Simpsons thing. Low brow is is how Springfield is. Yeah, and it's up to you know. Uh, let's see, the Finer Things Club, a.k.a. Mensa, to fix that. Exactly. And we, Lisa, we heard her get all very upset of even having to be there and be in this, like, just to share space with this kind of ugly, ugly scene, really. So she writes a letter to the editor, and it's super effective. Not really. We are a town of low brows, no brows, and ignoramai. We have eight malls, but no symphony. 32 bars, but no alternative theater. 13 stores that begin with le sex. I write this letter not to nag or whine, but to prod. We can better ourselves. <laughs> well, most of us. Dad, did you see anything provocative in today's paper? Yes, there's a real think piece here about a bra sale. Dad, stop kidding around. Look, they printed my letter. Hey, that is wonderful, sweetie. I'm going to read it just as soon as I finish what I'm doing here. Well, I'm sure someone had the time to read it. I envy them. Homer didn't read it. 
Of course Homer didn't read it. He's, he's too busy staring into space. Also, what's the problem with having so many stores that start with Lasex? I mean, come on, that sounds like a fun part of town. I would think you probably don't need that many. I mean, that's true, but, you know, Springfield varies in size. Sometimes it's uh, <laughs> East Springfield is larger than the state of Texas, so it's possible. You need that many in such a large area. Okay, I guess that's fair. I would... I'm gonna... Matt, I generally just ease back to the fact that Springfield is a small town. Probably doesn't need seven Lasex stores. <laughs> yeah, you're probably true. So, you're probably right. So, Homer obviously hasn't read Lisa's letter to the paper, uh, so she goes to Flanders, who... Doesn't need anyone living to tell him how to think. Uh, and she sees Reverend Lovejoy, who has a book-burning mobile, which I Lisa recommends him Jane Austen, which I don't, I don't think Lovejoy would find anything pretty much objectionable in Jane Austen. No, but Lovejoy seems like the person who just take that and be like, all right, well, I'm just going to burn it then, because <laughs> he's not going to think that through. That's true. That's very true. How, someone did read Lisa's letter, though. Not anyone with any actual power to affect change in Springfield, but people did did read it. And uh she gets a secret note inviting to a secret meeting asking her to bring a dessert. We read your letter with great interest. If you wish to learn more, go to thirteen Euclid Street. Tell no one and bring a dessert. Ooh. Hey Lise. Whoa. Lisa Simpson. Are you ready to go on a voyage of intellectual self-discovery? I think so. Is that a pie or a quiche? A pie. You may enter. Welcome to Mensa, Lisa. It's the organization for people with high IQs. I know that. It's also a constellation visible only from the southern hemisphere. She's good. She's very good. (laughs) And she brought a cream pie. I mean, she is good, but it's nice that she brought a cream pie. But, you know, fruit pies are generally better than cream pies. So, you know, she could have um, done better. Um, are you okay or just very hungry? I am. I am. I am okay. I am hungry. And I don't know if I agree with that sentiment, Matt. Well, you just have to go get some cream pies, go get some fruit pies, eat both, and I, see how you feel. I will. I Here, Matt, I'm going to uh, tell you right now that I've done the research. I just came back from a brief vacation where we literally bought multiple pies from a pie shop, and I ate a lot of them. I ate more than my share, uh, I'll how, say. What perfect timing. So I ate uh, multiple pies in, in, in both cream and fruit, and I my verdict is cream pies are better than fruit pies. I'm not saying fruit pies are bad. Fruit pies are good. I'll take a cream pie over fruit pie. Fruit pie's healthy. Well, next. Fruit pie has fruit in it, Matt. And there's a little bit of health in there. There's some vitamins you might well, get or something. You know, there's, there's, well, the thing with the thing with a fruit pie though is you have all that fruit in there, so you have to add extra sugar, so it kind of balances out. I know. All I know is that there are no fruit pies that manage to get peanut butter in them, and that's really what I'm looking for in my pies: is peanut butter in them. I want some peanut butter in well, my pie. I think that just means someone needs to make a banana peanut butter uh, pie. Oh man. Look at my wife on that. She'll totally be able. She'll be up for that. Banana peanut butter pie. So Lisa has joined Mensa after bringing a pie, and we go to commercial. And when we come back, uh, Lisa gets a you know a roundabout introduction to the people of Mensa uh, and their their Simpsons characters. You want me to join Mensa? 
Oh, that's wonderful. But don't I have to take some sort of IQ test? No, Lisa, you're more than qualified. I've shared all your standardized test scores with the other members. Aren't those supposed to be confidential? Welcome to Mensa. You've joined such luminaries as cartoonist Mel Lazarus, Gina Davis, and Parade Magazine's Marilyn Beausavant. Each the tops in his or her field. Well, uh, except for Mel Lazarus. Wow, I'm so honored you wanted me. Well, it was your delightfully condescending letter that put you over the top. Lindsay Nagel, Advanced Capital Ventures. Oh, what do you produce? Synergy, and books on how to cheat at bridge. Lisa, I think you'll really enjoy it here. Now, let's get down to business. Any new palindromes? <clears throat> Rise to vote, sir. Now, you know the agenda. Palindromes, anagrams, eat Lisa's pies, and voting. But rise to vote, sir, is a palindrome. Good way, right. Lisa, I think you're going to fit in just fine around here. Wow, me, fit in. First uh, official appearance of Lindsay Nagel. Oh, that's true, because before she's been here before, they just haven't actually called her Lindsay Nagel. This is the first time we get to hear her name. Yep, first time we hear her name. Technically, the Mensa requirements would, she would, I, the, I guess, if Skinner is just taking her standardized test scores from her from her uh record at school i i think that would probably suffice a, a standardized IQ test is all that requires from a certain provider and i have to assume lisa is been registered as gifted in the school quite frequently so generally an iq test is included in that so she's probably fine do you ever try and join mensament i have not um doesn't really seem worth it, to be honest, unless you want to hang around other Mensa people and they're just like the regular population. But, you know, I read a slightly small. I read a Mensa book once full of brain teasers and stuff. Oh, see, I, I do enjoy brain teasers. That's I don't. They had me until I had to go talk to other people. Then mm, no, thanks. Pass. Yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody smarter. No. So <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, maybe the, the quiet people's club. Is, is there one of those people just go and hang out, but don't have to talk to each other. They just read silently in the same room. That's a, there's my local, uh, one of my local comic book stores has uh introverts reading night where that is literally what they, you do. You go and hang out and just read quietly. That sounds awesome. Uh, we'll have to look into that. Well, you have to come to Edmonton for that. Yeah. Or, 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 or host your own. Hmm. I'll work on that. Mm -hmm. Any, anyway, uh, it also turns out that uh, after Lisa gets home from her Mensa thing, uh, or not, not after she gets home, uh, while she is at her Mensa meeting, uh, Homer, it turns out, got uh, second place. He didn't win it, but he got it, and then tells Bart that Stealing was wrong. And it turns out the second place prize was a free boudoir photography session. Uh, Homer has to look up what that means exactly, both boudoir and photography. But once he figures it out, he gives the uh, you know the woman who gave, gave the prize a call. He tries to hide his identity, fails because obviously it's Homer. And we find out that Homer is okay with his nudity, but the block association is not. Which, you know, to be fair, there are probably some people on his block who would not appreciate Homer being naked all the time. They're squares, but, you know, we have to respect that. I mean... As long as he's naked in his own house. I mean, he is naked in his own house. He takes showers. True, but I have to assume when he said it's the block association's problem that he was naked outdoors where everyone could see him. Uh, I see. <laughs> uh, back at Mensa, uh, they have a, a wonderful discussion about, among other things, the standards at the local library. I can't believe how they're dumbing down the Springfield Library. They've gotten rid of the English literature section and replaced it with a make-your-own-Sunday bar. 
I heard they got rid of the reference desk to make room for an air hockey table. Even the microfilm? Even the microfiche. Oh, God. My family never talks about library standards. And every time I try to steer the conversation that way, they make me feel like a nerd. We are hardly nerds. Would nerd wear such an irreverent sweatshirt? See, Doss. See, Doss, run. Run, Doss, run. <laughs> oh, only one person in a million would find that funny. Yes, we call that the Dennis Miller ratio. Oh, Dennis Miller jokes. It really was the late 90s. I mean, they're still applicable. It's true. I'll take, I, I, mean, I, I still, I still can appreciate a joke at, at Dennis Miller's expense. That's true. <laughs> we can all be happy when things go against Dennis Miller. And here, Matt, there's a, a note for you. That, that shirt, that comic book guy is wearing. Yes. The notation is wrong. But it is replicating a shirt that actually exists in real life that had wrong notation. So, well, yeah, I mean, still... I've seen the shirt in real life. I mean, the obvious issue with it is that Windows does not use forward slashes. Windows uses backslashes, which, I mean, any nerd worth their salt would have seen that in the first few seconds. I think that's my only point of contention is comic book guy would... would I, is comic book guy enough of a pedantic nerd to not buy the shirt because the notation is wrong? Ooh, that is a good question. Uh, we'll find out more wonderful things about comic book guys as this episode goes on. But yes, <laughs> wonderful. The, the use of the word "wonderful" is a little bit might be a little bit of a stretch. Anyway, uh, after this, Lisa goes home. She wants to talk to Homer about uh, the wonderful time she had at the Mensa meeting. However, Homer is only willing to listen to her until the commercial is over, which takes about five seconds. So Lisa still feels unhappy with this, obviously. Uh, we then see Homer with the photographer uh, for their first session, uh, where the photographer has to use a prodigious amount of Vaseline on the lens because, you know, Homer just needs to be natural, and we need to not see his naturalness. Uh, unfortunately for Homer, uh, Bart comes in, and even when Homer uh, uses his head to close the door quickly, uh, Bart crawls outside in the window to see what's going on. And when Homer closes the wind the shades and then opens them and Bart is still there, a few seconds later, he decides that it's time to reschedule, I guess. So, uh, that will come back very shortly. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Lisa has gone to the park with her other Mensa friends for some Renaissance role play. And, uh, wow, uh, smart people can be jerks. Who knew? This is so cool. I feel like I'm back in the Renaissance. Please stay in character, gentle wench. Verily, I declare that the Earth revolves around the sun and not t'other way round. Stop looking down my blouse, Copernicus. Forsooth, mine eyes doth rove of their own accord. Oh, look, it's the first time kind of a guy's a jerk in this, but definitely not the last. I mean, if I, I think I think this episode largely is still one of the better season 10 episodes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. We, we we get Homer. He's not too much of a jerk. No, he's actually, Homer is generally, like, nuanced in this to a, a certain degree, as far as Homer goes, at least. Right. Um, I, I think it, 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 some of the things have not aged. Some things have, some of the, some of the things have, I don't know if they, it's not really aged well or not. It's more of... I I think the characterization of Gumball Guy is actually incredibly prescient uh, about uh, the danger of uh, misogyny in their culture. But in the, the next bit of here, there's a bunch of transphobic jokes, which are incredibly awful. And 
there i i think i in my memory of this episode i i think i i don't know if i just went oh this is a good season 10 episode so i liked it more if this episode kind of feels like um what's the angel episode again i can't ever remember the title of that episode uh lisa the skeptic lisa the skeptic um it kind of feels like that to me i think this episode i don't it kind of it 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 brings up some interesting points but it kind of never says much about them it's all kind of surface level stuff about oh smart people are bad too i'm like okay i i wish it had a little bit more lisa in it i think yeah that's true i mean it feels like this episode is basically around uh or uh, about lisa's journey into you know finding a place she fits in and failing but it seems to mostly be people around her uh that are doing most of the talking yeah lisa doesn't have like a like there it has the general shape of like a lisa like hey lisa trying to fit in somewhere like you know there's summer four for two obviously is the top example of like lisa trying to fit in and this is a case of her trying to fit in because oh she's found other smart people to fit in with um i and it, it just i don't think they just i frankly i think they run out of time like on yeah. on on it because it's not that they don't like it, it's not like it feels any like there's anything wasteful in this it feels more that there should have been a more of because Lisa doesn't have any tough decisions in this. You know, Lisa doesn't face any choices. She's just kind of there. Yeah, she. Yeah, this isn't really much about uh, Lisa's character as much as it is uh, how Lisa fits in. But I mean, it kind of is about Lisa's character, but nothing changes with Lisa. So it's it's an interesting reflection on her but nothing really happens besides us you know reaffirming that hey uh springfield is definitely a town for the more lowbrow among us and even when it's you know the smart people are put in charge hey turns out smart people are jerks too I mean, yeah that's what i would take away from this episode yeah it, it's 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 not that it's bad it's just i feel like it doesn't have enough it, it doesn't like i want more which is, uh, I, I, frankly, the thing that I want more of. I don't know if it belongs in a Simpsons episode. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that. Like, I'm sure, like, if you restructured this entire thing and made it about Lisa and her confronting, like, she doesn't really have to. Con- she just kind of goes, "Oh, actually, yeah, smart people can be bad too," and then it's over. You know, she doesn't have to. It doesn't come down to her choosing. Oh, we should definitely keep the smart people in charge or not. You know, it's just Lisa in Renaissance costumes not being able to get into a gazebo. There's how many how many gazebos does does Springfield have? I mean, it's a park. Uh, I believe this is about six. So I actually this park has at least six gazebos. Six, you know, seems like it should be plenty for a town that size. That's a lot of gazebos. Who's hanging out in gazebos in their spare time? I mean, it's a park, so you know, people who like to hang out outdoors. They're weird, but they exist. And why aren't those, why are Lenny and Carl and Moe and all them drinking outside? Why aren't they at Moe's? Maybe the day was so darn nice they just felt they had to leave. They were like, you know what, let's drink outside. We want to be drunk outside. I, as I hear, Matt, I'm going to quote Carl. The dank, Mo. The dank. Don't get rid of the dank. Sometimes you just, you don't want the dank. Mm. You want it to be available so you can go to it whenever you want, but you don't want it right now. I believe Moe is also quoted almost specifically about the or no, is Barney the natural light burned him? Okay, well, fine. I will give you the answer. This episode requires somebody <laughs> to be jerks to them, and they picked them. Okay, thank you. That's all I needed. 
uh, which, speaking of which, uh, when they get to their gazebo, uh, we have all the barflies uh, drinking beer outside and telling them that, hey, it doesn't matter if you reserve this, we're taking it. Uh, it turns out there are also uh, some... I hate to use the word, but she males uh, in one of the other gazebos, a spider in another, and Dr. Hibbert is so offended by what he finds in the remaining gazebo that he does not speak of it. So, yeah. Uh, at this point, Wiggum walks by and sides with his friends who are drinking rather than, you know, kicking them out because, hey, that's what the law says. You know, that's, those are the rules. So, you know, Dr. Hibbert at this point says that Springfield is worse than Alabama, which. I find very hard to believe, but I suppose it's possible. The entire been to Alabama, Robbie? I've driven through Alabama. Yeah, that's about all you need. I don't. Alabama. I don't need to. I don't need to go to Alabama. No, no one needs to there, go to Alabama. There's nothing. I've driven through it. I've driven through. What's the town down the bottom that you drive through on the way to Texas? Mobile. Yep, driven through that. Did not stop. <laughs> Decide, opted yep. to keep going. That is a smart thing to do. The other smart thing to do is for the members of Mensa to put together a report for Mayor Quimby on you know, wh- what they see as the flaws in the town. However, as soon as they walk into Quimby's office, he freaks out, shreds everything, runs away on a horse to a helicopter, which then drops the horse out for it to parachute down to safety. So, yeah, apparently Quimby had something to hide. Who knew? Who could have guessed? Uh, at that point, uh, Wiggum shows up with the cops to figure out what exactly happened and where Quimby went. Uh, luckily, he didn't. She doesn't. He doesn't shoot anybody. So they decided to read the town charter to see what happens when you know the mayor leaves. Uh, no elections or anything. It's just put into the hands of a group of learned citizens, uh, which apparently means Mensa, at least in this episode. Wiggum seeks to double check them, but then he gets bored after a couple paragraphs and just takes their word for it. And then they decide that uh, the Mensa people are going to make some changes, some very exciting changes. And our exciting change is to go to commercial. Yeah, there's also the the very fact that they have the the mayor disappears and these people just elect themselves into leadership positions. Yeah, we're the smart ones. We got this. I mean, it, I guess that it is a thing about you know a, a, it is a statement in and of itself about uh, the fact these the intelligentsia decide that they them they are the they are perfectly suited to lead a city, even though none of, I mean. I guess Lindsay Nagel is a executive, so she at least would have experience in you know managerial and leadership positions. That's true. And Doctor Hibbert is a doctor, so he probably, as we've seen, he runs his own practice, so he has somewhat of a you know uh, a role in that. And Skinner runs the whole school. He's a weenie, but at least he has some experience with that. I, so at least half the people involved. That, okay, so now I'm, this is the thing that I okay. I, this is incredibly nitpicky. I'm that is my disclaimer, but. Skinner has been shown to be a badass veteran before to he has beaten up people when confronted right and he just the barflies who are presumably drunk he they he they uh throw a can at his head and he doesn't do anything well sometimes Skinner is a badass and sometimes he's a weenie this episode we get weenie Skinner <sighs> I know I just I, I guess that's just me as like I the impotent nerd I want the Skinner to, you know, unleash some rage on these dumb drunks that are occupying his his gazebo by wall. So Matt mentioned changes. This new this new leadership group now called the Bright Pack. How do you think about how do you feel about that name, Matt? Bright Pack. It's mildly clever. That's the best I can do. Eh, yeah. It's intellectual junta. 
I don't like that either. I don't think that's that's very bad. Breakback's better than that, I guess. Yeah, I don't like the word junta. That's yeah, a bad association. Yeah, that's not good at all. Um, but they they want to make changes, and Ken Brockman's a little alarmed at that. This is Kent Brockman at City Hall, where the intellectual junta, known as the Break Pack, has been running this town for the better part of three days. So, Lisa, what do you and your fellow eggheads have planned for the city? Business as usual? No, Kent. We're going to use the power of good ideas to change things for the better. <laughs> well, excuse this jaded reporter if he says he's heard that before. Oh, well, we really mean it. <laughs> you do? Yes. For example, no one was showing up for jury duty, so we made the experience more exciting by synergizing it with his comic book collection. You have been chosen to join the Justice Squadron, 8 a.m. Monday at the Municipal Fortress of Vengeance. Oh, I am so there. We studied traffic patterns and found that drivers move the fastest through yellow lights. So now, we just have the red and yellow lights. <laughs> Yay! Only I had some place to be. And we've really elevated the level of discourse at the dog track. We replaced the fanfare with classical music, and instead of chasing a rabbit, the dogs chase a diploma. The world has already taken note of our accomplishments. Springfield has moved up to number 299 on the list of America's 300 most livable cities. Take that, East St. Louis. Take that, East St. Louis. Poor East St. Louis. They, so they, there was... At the time, quite an uproar from East St. Louis uh, because they were they were offended uh, because they were insulted. And then uh, the writer of this episode, Matt Selman, uh, made a, a smart comment about the, the poor, poor status of East St. Louis. And then apparently, as the story goes, went on vacation right after the episode came out, after making this comment. And then everyone... In the writing staff had to take the heat, so to speak, while he was gone. And apparently the writing staff, when he returned to get back at him, hired Mark Wilmore, who is a comedy writer who went on to later write for The Simpsons in a few years from now, from 1999 at least. They hired they hired him, or at least they didn't hire him. They asked him to, to, to pull a practical joke on Selman by him pretending he was the mayor of East St. Louis and <laughs> he accosted Matt Selman and apparently Selman was incredibly terrified until he realized it was a joke. Well, if you don't uh, scare your friends to the point of they're pooping themselves, it wasn't really a joke. Yeah, I know. You have to, of course, uh, scare, terrify them uh, in, uh, in social situations at every opportunity. Um, I think uh, my other another point of contention I have with this episode that I don't I didn't remember quite so clearly was the fact that a lot of the changes Mensa makes even before like the clearly bad ones are not actually good changes. Well, no, I mean uh, the yellow light one is particularly stupid. Metric time has been shown to just confuse people. It's it's probably a good idea a long way down the road, but sixty is actually a pretty good number uh, because sixty, especially, it can be divided by twelve, two, three. Uh, I can't remember if it's divisible by four. I think it is divisible by four, as well as five, six, and ten, and and twelve. So sixty is actually a really great number uh, to to base things around. If we had sixty fingers and toes, we'd probably be in better shape. I'm gonna put that quote on your tombstone, Matt. <laughs> Please do. 
If we had 60 fingers of toes, we'd be in better shape. So, yeah, the 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 the, the bright pack are, are affecting change. Is it all good? Mm, I don't know. Probably not. Um, a lot of kind of some some all right changes, some incredibly dumb ones already before we've seen them start to kind of fall apart as this third act goes on. We see Homer uh, engage in some more boudoir photography. Uh, and this time it's not abbreviated. He's not interrupted by, by Bart and Milhouse snooping on him. Uh, and he's actually, like, decorated the basement. I find this little B-plot incredibly cute. Because it is... Homer, like, it shows Homer as actually vulnerable. Which is not a thing we're getting a lot in Season 10. No, it's mostly Homer being a jerk rather than being vulnerable. Yeah, and this is actually him, like, kind of, like... He asked at one point, he asked the photographer not to be mean to him, and he's like, he's a little shy. And then as we go on in this little B plot, he's actually like, oh, no, he's decorated the basement. He has all these different costumes as he's like, as she's taking pictures, and she's kind of the, the photographer lady is a little bit disgusted. Um, I would think, I would think at this point, it's just a dude in his underwear. It's not like he's naked. I think, is it, is this supposed to imply that he eventually is naked? I think that's what it's supposed to imply, because she, she mentions it several times, so at some point, the underwear come off. Either way, if you're I if you're a pro- professional boudoir photographer, you've seen, I would say, non-models naked enough times that it probably wouldn't bother you. But I yeah, mean... Really, it would probably just be, hey, BT-dubs, uh, I've seen everything, everything. Well, I, I guess it is supposed to tell us that Homer is grosser than normal people, which is generally true. I mean, he li- he did, like, jump at the chance to engage in a how low can you go contest earlier <laughs> in this true. exact same episode. So, Homer is uh, having fun. We get to see, uh, what is it? It's uh, Right Said Fred. It's uh, I'm Too Sexy, right? That's the song that plays while Homer's yes. posing, which is very appropriate. We cut back to uh, the, the, the Bright Pack as they are debating further changes uh, to Springfield's governance. So they say later on, and there's some dissent rising in the ranks. Okay, next item of business is our weekly progress report. Principal Skinner, how's your transportation project coming? Oh, excellent. Not only are the trains now running on time, they're running on metric time. Remember this moment, people. 80 past 2 on April 47th. It's the dawn of an enlightened Springfield. Excellent. Now, next week is our State of the City address. Has everyone finalized their proposals? Well, first of all, I have a plan to eliminate obesity in females. Oh, please. For a nickel a person tax increase, we could build a theater for shadow puppets. Balinese or Thai? Why not both? Then everybody's happy. Oh, yeah. Everyone's real happy then. Do I detect a note of sarcasm? Are you kidding me? This baby is off the charts. <laughs> oh, a sarcasm detector. Oh, that's a really useful invention. It's like a Star Trek gadget. If you if it goes higher than it can register, it just blows up. It doesn't just say, hey, this is as max as I can go. It blows up. I mean, that's how they work in real life, right? Sure. That's what happens. When something goes beyond what you can measure, it blows up. Yeah. I mean, that's true for certain voltages, but that's about it. <laughs> See? Just like real life. Yeah. I, I don't think uh, uh, syntactical sentiment is one of those things that can blow something up. Just like real life. So the Bright Pack is starting to fall apart a little bit. We're seeing uh, the seams. We're starting to see people kind of a little angry at each other, a little dissent, a little bit of frustration with each other. 
at the same time, we are seeing the end of basically end of the the little boudoir photography B plot where Homer finally gives Marge her gift of his pictures. Marge, oh Marge, I've got something for you. Oh, homie. Houston, we have a problem. A sexy problem. Homie? Well, look at you. I'm gonna maul you. Oh, I've never seen the side of you, but I like it. Mm. Mm. Whoa, whoa, look at those silk pillows. It's like the set of some high-class porno film. <laughs> no, no, it's just their basement. Mm. Hold on, what? That's our basement? Yeah, so come on, more kissing. It looks so elegant. And all it takes are some lace curtains and a beaded lampshade. You've got to show me exactly what you did. But I was going to score. No, you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) One, Marge apparently knows what a high-class porno film uh, a set looks like. And uh, two, I love that Marge is way more excited about decoration than ever having sex with Homer. Well, I mean, I think she's... uh, I think, I think Marge is pleased, not necessarily only by the pictures, but that the effort Homer took to take the pictures. That's true. That's far more work than Homer puts into pretty much anything besides watching television and eating. And it all started with him getting free pictures, and he ended up spending a lot of uh, time and effort on it. I mean, maybe he found him. They fell off a truck. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. So... It is time for the State of the City Address, where the Bright Pack... Every time I say it, I like it less. All <laughs> right. I've said it like... First, like oh, okay. I've said it six times, and now I'm just like, the Bright bright Pack. Um, the, Mensa, the Mensa folks uh, are preparing to address the city uh, about the changes they've made and the changes they plan to make. Uh, and, and Stephen Hawking shows up. <clears throat> we have some new rules and regulations that you're just going to go ape poopy over. Professor Frank? Right. Well, first of all, we're going to ban such barbaric sports as bullfighting and cockfighting. Yeah! Also, boxing, uh, both kick and the kind with the gloves there. Good! And hockey, football, push-ups, and anything in general where you have to take off your shirt, which is embarrassing. Oh, come on. Yeah, I don't remember discussing that. Inspired by the most logical race in the galaxy, the Vulcans, breeding will be permitted once every seven years. For many of you, this will mean much less breeding. For me, much, much more. You cannot do that, sir! You don't have the power! <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I must apologize. This man does not speak for the Council of Alphas. We hold you sub-omeguloids in the highest regard. Where are we going to get to my broccoli juice program? Quit butting in, please. Your IQ is a mere 155, while mine is a muscular 170. I am smart. Much smarter than you, Hibbert. You should all do what I say. My IQ is 199 for crying out loud. 198, 197. Big deal. My IQ is 280. <gasps> Stephen Hawking, the world's smartest man. What are you doing here? I wanted to see your utopia, but now I see it as more of a fruit topia. <laughs> I'm sure what Dr. Hawking means is silence. I don't need anyone to talk for me, except this voice box. You have clearly been corrupted by power. For shame. Larry Flint is right! You guys stink! I don't know which is a bigger disappointment. My failure to formulate a unified field theory, or you. I don't like your tone. If you are looking for trouble, you found it. Yeah, just try me, you... Oh! 
everyone knows you gotta watch I'm out for I'm the like boxing a violent glove. physicist you got you go watch out for the boxing glove from dr stephen hawking i mean if i would have a wheelchair like that i would for sure have at least a, a boxing glove in there apparently there were some oil slicks and some smoke grenades too <laughs> it's like night rider uh apparently the the line the word fruitopia took them a long time for uh for him to get his uh his his machine to say correctly huh. it took it took a lot of effort to make it say fruitopia probably because that's a very strange word <laughs> yeah it's not in everyone's dictionary no but uh so the mensa folks are infighting about who is the smartest they are clearly implementing terrible ideas that are self-serving or discuss and disgusting i wouldn't shouldn't say or disgusting and disgusting as in comic book guy's case uh and while they're doing this the crowd is basically falling apart we get the second ride of the episode uh two two rides right count two only two that's pretty impressive i know springfield they're pretty reserved this episode only two riots uh they 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 start attacking the gazebo the poor poor gazebos what did the gazebos do to deserve all this well they were taken by the bad people apparently i mean oh oh i see the bad people you mean the smart people uh well, I meant that they were originally taken over by the the people who did not respect the reserva- reservation process. Complicated gazebo culture going on here. I see. Exactly. Yeah. So the gazebo gets destroyed. Everyone escapes except for Lisa. Luckily, she is rescued uh, by Doctor Stephen Hawking's helicopter chair. <laughs> that that uh, it's, it, Inspector Gadgets his way out of there uh, and rescues Lisa. And uh, we end the episode with. Homer and Dr. Hawkins having a, a drink together. Lisa, thank God you're okay. Did you have fun with your robot, buddy? Dad! Oh, Dr. Hawking, we had such a beautiful dream. What went wrong? Don't feel bad, Lisa. Sometimes the smartest of us can be the most childish. Even you? No, not me. Never. I guess everyone has a different vision for the perfect world. Wow, Mom, that's very profound. Hey, you read that off my screen. Who's up for some beers? I am. That's the smartest thing I've heard all day. Your theory of a donut-shaped universe is intriguing, Homer. I may have to steal it. Wow, I can't believe someone I never heard of is hanging out with a guy like me. All right, it's closing time. Who's paying the tab? I am. I didn't say that. Yes, I did. Dough. 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 Uh, that's how the episode ends. It's not that it's bad. It just feels like it's. I don't. I, I feel like it's missing something, and I think that thing is kind of Lisa coming to some conclusion about herself, and not just hey, all these adult smart people are bad. Yeah, it really feels like there should have been some time where she realized that hey, being smart is not its own reward. You still have to work at things. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's it. Kind of, I think that's implied in in, in a certain regard to this, but. I feel like this this episode is very broad about what it's saying. Like, say smart people are jerks too. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think most people recognize that. And I think, you know, I think what it's miss, missing is kind of the Lisa the vegetarian thing. Because at the end of that, Lisa actually realizes, you know, that, oh, being pushy and being right doesn't necessarily mean that's effective. You know, I can't – I'm not going to change people's mind by being a jerk. Um, by being rude and pushy, uh, affecting change is a difficult, slow process. 
And I feel like that this is kind of a broader take on, you know, I am a smart person and I know better than you. And it never, Lisa herself never comes to any, like, Lisa's never a bad person in this episode. You know, she's always a good person and it's only the adults that are bad. So, it, and honestly, no one is ever really all that bad except for comic book guy. Um, but people, it just shows that, you know, intelligence does not scale with like how good people's ideas are. And it's not like smart people are automatically better at everything. Uh, smart people have different points of view and that's just the way it is. That It's the same way with every group of people. Being smart doesn't make you automatically better. It just makes you possibly have maybe a little more perspective or, you know, maybe a little less. You're better at deluding yourself. <laughs> And I, it doesn't make this episode bad because I think this episode is still solidly good. It's funny. It has a great guest star. I think Dr. Stephen Hawking is one of the best as themselves appearances. Like he, he makes kind of sense in this episode. Yeah, uh, he just pops in real quick. He is himself, makes a few jokes, saves the day. You know, the usual Stephen Hawking stuff. Usual. The usual. Yep. And... It has, a, I think, a very cute B-plot that doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't have any of the terrible trends that season 10 episodes tend to have. It doesn't have... It, the plot makes sense, largely. The third act... There's does, no weird Looney Tunes-ness? Yeah, there's no weird cartooniness aside. I mean, it depends how... You know, I'll allow Stephen Hawking to have a helicopter in his wheelchair. Well, I mean, he is the, one of the world's natural superheroes. Exactly. So I'll allow that. It is kind of cartoony, but, and it does have this third act action scene, but I think because it's, like, I I think, uh, I, as it's been shown, I think, of the like, the few episodes that we like in season 10 is that if the plot holds together and people are doing things for, like, reasons, like, at character reasons, not just because the plot dictates it, you can have that stuff, and it is fine. Like, I don't mind Will, Stephen Hawking having a helicopter in his wheelchair. It is extraordinarily cartoony, but because the episode hangs, like, and it connects, and it goes A, B, C, D, makes sense, I don't care as much. You know, it's fine. And I think that's the thing that, when people go, oh, it's just a cartoon, you can do anything. I mean, like, yeah, you can, as long as, like, in the context of the episode, like, I'm only going to start looking at that stuff as bad if the episode itself starts doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, why is this in here? Does it, it doesn't serve the episode at all. But hey, Dr. Stephen Hawking with a helicopter in his, in his wheelchair. I'm all I'm for that. He says he didn't have one. You don't know. In real life. Exactly. Also, I'd like to point out that this episode's opening gag or whatever you want to call it uh, uh we learned when we recently read mike uh, reese's book that that's that's an established thing they want that to be in every episode which you know that's a design choice we'll leave it at that but this one feeds very well into the rest of the plot of the episode whereas some of them do not so yeah. i just want to point out that uh, how much i appreciate that yeah there's no giant tonal shift after the first or second act like it all connects to each other which it sh that should be a given but it certainly is not in this season as a whole. Right. We'll rank it at the end of the show. Uh, no submissions for this for my favorite episode. Uh, if you do have a favorite episode, send it to sipshowpod at gmail.com. And that also pertains to any older episodes that may be your favorite that we missed or you didn't have that we had already done by the time you started listening. Whatever reason, uh, I will be reading those at our holiday episode in December. So get those in. I think, most, Matt, I think... We can both we can decidedly say this episode is not broken. For sure. Not nearly as bad as the last few. Right. So we don't have to fix it. It's not broken. It's perfectly good. 
we can move on to our next segment. It's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments from the news group. Smart home through the old alt.tv. News group, see who we're talking about a week or two after an episode debuted. See what they thought about the episode, if there's anything else interesting going on. Uh, hey, they like this episode, Matt. Well, I would certainly hope so. Uh, like, 95% very super positive. Uh, that is surprising, because usually we disagree a lot. But I feel like as time goes by, we seem to be agreeing more and more with the news group. I wonder why that could be. I think that... Okay, so, I, I mean, I think it's just... In this season in particular, I don't know in general, but in this season in particular, like, we have the context of 20 seasons post you know, season eight and nine, you know, where we all go, oh, those are the good years. And then there's the hit and miss. There's the bad years. And then there's the hit and miss years. And we all, we kind of have that in our head already. You know, if I'm watching a season 10 episode or 11 or 12 or 13, especially, I'm already going like, hmm, I'm already kind of worried. Oh, is this going to be one of the really bad ones or is it one of the all right ones? But they don't have that. You know, they are two years removed from season eight. They don't know what's going to happen. All they know is they're what, you know, they are finally, they are reaching the end of this season. They are reaching the end of season 10. Now they have watched, they have this entire season to go on. So they've watched all these episodes just like we have and have endured some pretty bad ones. So when they finally, near the end of the season, they finally get good ones. You're just like, oh, they're like, oh, right. They remember. They go, oh, and they know, they know how the season has been. They know. I you know they 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 have a they have a trend to look at I guess I don't know they they they're getting closer to where we are where we can see the season as a whole and understand what it is what worked and what didn't <laughs> yes uh, I have a couple of the reviews an amazing episode in a lax season plenty of well written jokes and Hawking's cameo was some of the most fitting and funny that they've had in a long time it didn't feel tacked on at all Homer's subplot was sort of unnecessary but at least there was a subplot and this one was so absurd that it worked uh, a all the season 10 naysayers need to watch this show. My God, this is the best episode of the whole nearly complete season. A surefire classic with excellent gags, writing, and FFF jokes? I don't know. FFF? Is it... There's something for family. I know they use a... There's a... It stands for something about the... You know, our... I forget what it was. It was our beloved family. Something about the you know family... I'm rambling. Not a single thing was wrong with it. Stephen Hawking was excellent. I love the gadgets in his wheelchair. 10 out of 10, A+. Uh, there was one largely negative review, and I pulled it just to give it a, give us a full gamut. I do want to say that most of the reviews were really positive. Um, there's too much one-dimensional characterization and too many liberties taken with realism here. Intellect is given too much of a shallow treatment with this episode for its story to be likable, and its efforts are undermined by mostly idiotic gags. It's a bright milestone for Simpsons to celebrate to have something as intellectually renowned as Stephen Hawking on the show, but it doesn't save the episode from having little impact for me, D+. Can't say I agree with that person. I mean, I agree with the sentiment somehow. I think we, I, I said so as much about, I'd like more about, you know, intellectualism and the dangers of us just relying on smart people to solve our problems when they when you know ethics is also a large concern intelligence and ethics don't necessarily are you know require one another to function so i like but i don't know necessarily that's like a great simpsons episode which i don't this person probably didn't make that distinction they just went they didn't go deep enough on the intellectualism i'm like well it would probably take another half hour and i don't think the simpsons are gonna do an hour-long episode about that that's about it. There's a lot of detail also about Mensa. 
I read a lot about Mensa and about uh, uh, entrance requirements, about famous members of Mensa, including Gina Davis. Uh, a lot of stuff about it. Uh, and a lot of there's a lot of like because of the fact that all the oops, all the people in the episode are smart and they make a lot of references to, you know, intelligent things. There's the the breakdown about the CDOS run shirt. There's a lot of all those little nitpicky things in that I frankly appreciate are also here. But we covered them certain while we were running down the episode. Um, that's about it. We move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. I'll listen to the question of the week this week is, what is your, uh, what is, the moment that shocked you the most? Kind of left that open-ended on purpose. A lot of great answers. Uh, as always, appreciate everyone who takes the time to answer. Uh, first from Kevin. Uh, Marge saying, somebody throw the goddamn bomb from the movie. I'd, I, <laughs> yeah. There's, they used the movie to like push the envelope at a, you know, a little bit, just a tiny bit. Um, AJ, that one episode where we actually get to see Carl's family and where he's from, considering how minor a character he's always been, it was a little unexpected in the later years. The Iceland, the Iceland episode. Is it Iceland or is it, isn't it Iceland or is it, uh, it's Iceland. Is it Iceland? Carlson? Carl Carlson? Even though it's spelled wrong, technically. Well, we, I, I think that episode's polarizing. I like it. I think some people really don't. I recall it as being quite good, but hey, you never know. We'll see in like two years. Uh, from Mike, Maude Flanders' death, definitely. Uh, Dom, when Maggie was revealed as Mr. Burns' shooter, definitely. James, Martin's wedgie from 24 Minutes. When I first saw his uh, his shady, I was shocked the writers had him commit suicide and only see the truth a moment later. I still still can't hear Skip to My Lou without seeing Martin's shadow taunting me with his possible final repose. The silhouette. Ooh, dark. Zach, old grimy's death, quite honestly, no pun intended. A very bold move by the writers. You get it, man? Shocking. I, I do get it. Yeah. Uh, Sean Smithers, what the hell? Kisses Burns. Uh, Martin, Arm, Armin Tamzarian, not in the good way. <laughs> uh, from Eric, from Trilogy of Error. Is that you, Fat Tony? The ultimate Chief Wiggum moment. Uh, Jose, the episode where we see Chief Wiggum drop Ralph on his head, making him how he is. Oof, that's rough. <laughs> it is. John at John Fine 2. Uh, when Maggie runs over the gnome in the homes with a lawnmower. I mean, how does a baby run a lawnmower? Good question. Zach at Zach Kowalski was going to say Maud's death, but actually the Praise Land episode shocked me more. Weird episode that profits off a character's death. Uh, Zach at Zach Babbins. The laziness of responding to the problem with a poo was a shocking new low. That is definitely uh, true. Yeah, that's yeah. You can go listen to us yell for about half an hour on our Patreon if you want. About that. Uh, Rick at Rick Weidman. When Homer met God and God had five fingers. Uh, the professor. Yes, I would. Kent. The way the town treated Bart after he fell down the well compared to Timmy O'Toole. Yes, he fooled them, but to punish him by leaving him down there. The town must have been too busy listening to I Can't Believe We're Naked by Funky C, Funky Do. <laughs> uh, uh. Finally, from Quackity, Quackity L. Uh, probably the death of Bleeding of Murphy. I've been told I am like Lisa, and I feel like I connect with her, so seeing her hero pass away really shocked me. I thought the writers would bring him back, but he just died. Gone and forgotten to most of Springfield. He had his, uh, this season they had his son? Was that his son that in the New Orleans episode? Uh, I think it was, yeah. They had a, yeah, they had Bleeding of son appear in the, this, uh, the 20, season 29 New Orleans episode. I forget the name of it. Um, Matt, what's your answer? I'm going to have to go with, uh, honestly, I'm going to go with 
maybe that wouldn't shock me today, but what shot me back then, and that's them killing Frank Grimes off at the end of that episode. Uh, because today, I mean, I, I kind of see it. I, it doesn't shock me anymore. But when I first watched the episode, I was like, whoa, there's no way they are doing this. And they did. It's still, I still gasp a little every time I think about it the first time I saw it. It's very effective. It needs yeah. to happen to make that episode work, I think. Uh, my answer is the episode where Marge gets breast implants. Oof, yeah. Because I distinctly remember when I watched that. Because I watched it when it came out. And I want, even at, and like at that point, like it wasn't, I guess I wasn't fully, like, it wasn't set in that the Simpsons were fading. But it, it's one of those things where you go, oh, they did an episode about that. You're like, I watched it then. I was like, oh, they did an episode about this? Really? Yeah. And then like, I was like, this is where they're at? This is, this is... And it kind of like it. I don't know if that was a the specific turning point to me going like, oh, and I can't expect brilliance anymore. It's foolhardy yeah. for me to expect it. But I distinctly, I remember having that like, oh, that like sh- like stunned kind of silence of, oh, this is what it is now. This is what the Simpsons is. Hmm, kind of disappointing. Um, but thanks again, everyone who took the time to answer next week's question. This is uh, I we try to I try to think of a way to phrase this correctly, but I'll, I'll I hope this is, is clear enough. It is. What is your favorite bespoke character design? Meaning, uh, way the our our, our normal cast is, is designed outside of their normal clothes. You know, Bart and Homer and Lisa and Maggie and all the casts, Krusty and Mo and Barney and Kent Brockman. When you picture them, you picture them in their kind of normal. They're normal gear, you know, Marge in her dress and the pearls, and Bart with the shorts and the shirt, and Homer with the, the white and the blue. And what is your favorite design of them outside of their norms? You know, you think of Maggie and her little starfish winter, any of the characters in their winter gear, or them on vacation, or Barney in his speed suit when they're tra- training to go into space, or even in this in this uh, episode Mo in a sailor suit with a lolly. Hmm. Like any design of any character that is outside the norm. I think I probably spent too much time explaining that, but I'll post this question on social media, facebook.com slash the Simpsons show pod, Twitter at Simpsons show pod. You can email us at SimpsonsShowPod at gmail.com. All right, Matt, it's time for our next segment. It's time for the no Google trivia challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The new Google Trivia Challengers, Matt and I, is where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump each other. Uh, we have, you know, a contest going on. We do it every every season so far. I am a mere one point behind Matt with two episodes to go. And I'm going to try. Got this, Robbie. I believe in you. I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, Matt, are you ready for an easy question? I am ready. These are all from Bart Gets an F. First episode of season two. Your easy question. What book does Bart not read for his book report? Uh, Treasure Island. That is correct. All right, sir. All of your questions are from Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment. In uh, Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment, what does everyone gather to watch at the end of the episode? Uh, the pay-per-view boxing match. You are correct, sir. It's Dredger Tatum. Exactly. Your meaning question, Matt. What movie does Homer and Bart stay up late watching instead of studying? 
Oh, uh, Apes of Poppin. It's an ape movie. I remember that much. <laughs> uh, is it Gorilla the Conqueror? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Homer loves so many ape movies. I wasn't sure which one it was. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for your medium question? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, what does the crooked cable installer try to sell Homer besides cable? Besides the free cable. Well, not free cable, but a cable, yeah. a illegal cable box. Um, exactly. Should know this. You wouldn't. You, you wouldn't be interested. You also wouldn't be interested in blank. What the? What does he say to him? Oh, what is it? Is it some kind of appliance? Free cable. It's shady because it even in Homer's. I don't think does Homer get it. I can't even remember. Ugh. Um. I I think I'm confusing. I think I'm an answer, but I think I'm confusing it with a different episode. Is it? Is it a security system? Ooh, I'm sorry. Is a car stereo? Cars? Of course. Should have gone with it. I was. There's. I think I'm thinking of a different episode with the security system thing. Uh, yeah. It's a very shady looking guy with the mustache and everything. I know the one you're thinking of. Okay. Your hard question, Matt. In Bart gets enough. What formula does Martin work out from Bart's tutage? Oh, um. I I know it basically works down to the potential for mischief is inversely proportional to the distance from an authority figure. So it's like PM over DA. I'm sorry, Matt. Oh, man. What is it? It's as transcribed by Martin is MOC and then one over PA. Oh, so I was close. OK, well, that's something, I guess I was just, I, you valiant effort. All right. Your final question. Mm -hmm. What are all the things Homer has to hide that he's stolen from Moe and Mr. Burns as they come to the party? Do I get a number? Uh, there are seven of them. I will give you oh. one point per two that you get. Oh, God. There's seven of them. Okay. Uh, mugs from Moe's. Okay. Uh, let's see. Things from work. It would be, I think, a stapler. I think pens. Let's see, pens and stapler at least. Pens and staplers from work. M uh, mugs from Moe's. What else does he steal from Moe's? Anything? I'm trying to think. What else would he could he have stolen from Moe's? Uh, coasters from Moe's. And let's see, that's four things. Three more. I know it's probably more from work than from Moe's. Uh, I imagine. Let's see, this pens, stapler. Um, the hell else would he steal from work? What else would there be? What else do you steal from work? Hmm. What else would he steal from the power plant? Um, pens, stapler. I'll say a hole punch. Um, what else would it be? Man, I'm just coming up blank today. I'm, I've got bad brain today. Um, uh, scissors and um, I think office supplies. Um. Like a letterhead or something, a memo, blank memo pad. I don't remember. I I'm that's just guessing. I don't know anything else. Okay, you actually did okay. Uh, it is a Moe's mugs. Uh, quite a few of them actually. Uh, he has a tape dispenser, a stapler, a notepad, a pencil holder, a computer, and a pencil sharpener. So I believe he got three of those. He's a, he's a computer. 
a computer. He hands Bart a computer with the keyboard and a tower and everything and says, hide this in the closet. <laughs> I don't even remember that. In a computer. And that was like 90, so, what, 91? He stole a yeah. computer in 1991? That's Homer for you. He's ambitious. So what's that, a point for me, Matt? That's one point for you, sir. Mm, that leaves me two points behind you with one episode to go. However, Matt, I have an ace in the hole. For, for the last ace ep- in the hole, oh, ace in the hole for the last episode of the season, in that we may have a guest, uh oh, who may present additional opportunities for points. Well, then you're just throwing a serious wild card in there, aren't you? I mean, you can benefit just as much as I can, possibly, 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 indeed, possibly. First time anything is going wrong, so that leaves me two points behind Matt 53 51 points. I, hey, I'll take that. That's it, could be way worse. I'm I'm quite impressed that you got the Grail of the Conqueror question, Matt. I was not expecting you to get the Grail It was of the luck. Conqueror. What can I Grail say? Grail of the Conqueror. That's a very that's a very hard question. Um we can move on to our final segment segment every single episode with is time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I will rank the episodes categorically we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Alright. They save Lisa's brain. I think this episode's good. I think it 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 avoids a lot of the traps that season ten episodes have fallen into. It's For funny. Sure. It's funny. It has good a good guest spot in it. It makes sense. It flows well. It's tight. Where does it go, Matt? I honestly, <sighs> all right. So I'm looking in the range of around probably 150. It's good, but it's not great. So it kind of sits in there with a lot of like season two to season three episodes. Uh, 152 is Homer to the max. And I honestly think I like this one a little bit better than Homer to the Max, since Homer to the Max kind of falls apart there a little bit towards the end. So I, I don't want to say it falls apart a little bit. Homer to the Max, it <laughs> falls off a cliff at the third act. Fair enough. I was looking higher than that. Oh, higher than that. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say I was going to, I was looking at, I mentioned Lisa the Skeptic. I think it's better than Lisa the Skeptic, which is at 139. Okay. And, and and then we I we get to that point where it hits the flaming mo it hit flaming mo's you know you know mom and pop well, art it's, it's flaming mo's topped by Homer defined and like father like clown those are three pretty heavy hitters yeah like that whole up from there up you get a lot of season two and three episodes that are I think Simpsons hitting their stride and you know getting the characters down and hitting like nailing simple stories with like kind of simple simple comedy that really really work and are kind of regarded as like classics um mm-hmm. uh we have mom and pop art at 137 which because it, it it could it cross it could it pass over that threshold the flaming most threshold right do you think you think they saved lisa's brain first do you think it's better than mom and pop art Ooh, that's a tough one um I honestly like it a little better. Uh, this That's possibly just me, uh, you know, not as appreciating the art focus of mom and pop art as someone else probably might have. I like this one just because, like you said, it, it doesn't fall into some uh, season 10 traps. Uh, so, you know, it's got a good intro. It's it's funny. It's The story is coherent for the love of God. Uh <laughs> I, I mean that's that's a pretty low bar, but you know it's season ten, so I mean I, I think I, it's, I'll take yeah coherent. We I like I said that sh- I would think that like we've taken that as a given that Simpsons episodes will be coherent, but not any that that is no longer a given. I yeah. think I like Mom and Pop Art more. I, I think Mom and Pop Art actually basically succeeds at what it's doing. 
I think they save Lisa's brain maybe bites off a little bit more than it can chew. It, and it's not that I, I don't, I think we, I, I brought it up a couple times already. Like Lisa doesn't really have an arc in this. Like Homer has an arc in mom and pop art. You know, it's not like a big one. It's very That's minor, true. but he does go, Oh, I'm not the artist. You know, this is like, I, that's what I've realized. You know, Marge is the artist in the family and anything I do is basically like imitating art. You know, it is, it is Homer coming to appreciate Marge's view of the world. I, and I don't think it necessarily like nails it 100%. I think it still has problems, but I think it, it does a little bit more. I think I like the ending of mom and pop art a little bit more. It's a little bit sweeter. Um, they say Lisa's brain isn't necessarily bad or anything. I think it also is. It has a nice, funny bit of Homer and Stephen Hawking, you know, at a bar together. That's it's it's a fun moment. But I don't, I don't like. I don't think it's. I, I think Mom and Pop Mom and Pop Art is just better because I think below Mom and Pop Art is Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. I think this is better than Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. Hmm. Honestly, I can get on board with that. Um, as long as we don't go above Flaming Moe's, I don't think this quite cracks that either. Uh, but I can. I do really appreciate Mom and Pop Art. It is one of the sweetest Margin Homer episodes we have gotten in a long time. And since we've been so starved for them in this season, I can let that overweigh, you know, the actual hang togetherness of this. Episode. Also, also the there's some pretty ugly stuff. Like the transphobic jokes in the middle of this thing are pretty gross. Yeah, that's a bit much. And it kind of like it brings it down. Like there's there's some yeah. like it, you, you look at and you're like, oh really? 1999? We were still doing this? I guess so. Yeah. It's that's pretty awful. Um, and I wasn't expecting it, and that's the worst when you're like, oh, uh, this is I remember this episode, I like it, and then you're like, oh, that's gross, right in the middle, not awesome, not very, very good. No, okay, so uh, they say Lisa's brain, new number 138 on our list, right below Mom and Pop Art, right above Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. Uh, still number one on the list is Homer's Enemy. Last on the list is When You Dish Upon a Star, number 212. Truly dreadful episode. Oh, yeah. Truly bad. Um, our next episode is the last episode of season 10. Matt, we've, we've made it through season 10. Yay. Yay. I mean, we haven't made it. We still have one more to go. Uh, but <laughs> it is 30 minutes over Tokyo. We'll see. Speaking of things you don't remember as so offensive, let's see. Let's watch them Indeed, go. To, let us see. Let's see what how it how that has aged. George Takei's in it. I'm going not well. I don't. George Takei's in it. I like George Takei. All right. <laughs> That's next week. Uh, watch along with us. Uh, let's see. I think that'll do it for us today. You can find all this stuff at our website, subjectshow.com. Links to everything there. Facebook or Twitter our RSS feed. You can also find a link to our Patreon there if you want to help the show support us. Uh, throw us a couple dollars a month to keep us keep the lights on, keep, uh, pay, keep hosting, paid, and all that stuff. Uh, we really appreciate it. We we thank everyone who does that for us. Uh, let's see, you can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Check out my other podcast, The Handsome Boys Comics Hour. It's about comic books and the serial fanaticist. It's about lots of stuff. Um, I don't know what my next episode is about. I've 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 I don't. I need to go look at that, but I've, I've talked about all kinds of stuff. Me and Matt have done Harry Potter episodes. I do episodes about wrestling. I do episodes about Frasier. I do episodes about uh, 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 different books. I do episodes about uh, there's, um, say I'm recording a Westworld season two episode tomorrow. So I encourage you guys to check it out. If any of that sounds interesting. Uh, 
Matt does not participate in social media unless a certain level of Patreon back here you will not find him. Uh, that is true. I have decided to digitize my consciousness from now on. So all you have to do is just, you know, tweet anyone and I'll pick it up. I will be the all-seeing eye. I will be Cortana version 2. So good luck avoiding me. You mean from Halo? The lady? Exactly. The naked yeah. the naked computer lady that lives inside Master exactly. Chief until he do- she doesn't? the ugly naked man. That's not that's not nice to yourself, Matt. You know, you gotta love yourself first and foremost. Uh-huh. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching the Simpsons. Shh.